0: Well, church family, we want to continue worshiping. We have done so through song and prayer. We want to continue worshiping through the reading of God's Word. And so if you have a copy of scriptures, let me invite you to join me in the Gospel of John in the New Testament. If you're a guest with us, there are Bibles in the back that are free to you. If you'd like to follow along there, I I use the Gospel Project app. I also use the YouVersion Bible app on my phone, whatever's most helpful to you in this moment. But we want you to read along with us, and we're going to be in John's gospel. John was a follower of Jesus and he reveals to us an eyewitness account of the life and ministry of Jesus. And so we will look at that in just a moment. But I do want to tell you that I I think sometimes churches, often well-intended, will ask members to participate and be involved in a lot of really important things. They'll ask you to attend, they'll ask you to sign up, they'll ask you to be at, and, and, and honestly, um, a lot of it is well-intended, but I think sometimes the result is that you get, you get busier, and you often get to the end of the year wondering, like, did, did you grow more spiritually? Do you feel more transformed, or was it just a whole lot of spiritual activity? I think one of the reasons, one of the causes for that is something I call mission drift, I don't know if you're familiar with the term mission drift, but it's literally when you slowly but surely, and oftentimes you don't realize it, but you slowly but surely over time, you, you, you forget the main reason of why you exist and what you're trying to accomplish. That's mission drift. This is not just churches. This is businesses, organizations, schools. Uh, let me give you a couple examples of what I'm talking about. I want to just illustrate the obvious uh, that, that you may be able to resonate with. Harvard University... World-renowned Harvard University, founded in 1636, originally only employed followers of Jesus, professing Christians as professors. It was a preacher boy school. And many of the faculty raised up the next generation of preachers and ministers and missionaries. And their focus, get this, their stated mission was instructing students to know God and Jesus Christ. But today, this school has no ties to its Christian roots. Now, I'm not preaching against. I'm not being critical. I'm just trying to illustrate the obvious for you. And in 1987, the president of the university acknowledged that they had strayed from their original mission, and he said, we have become a completely secular university. That's mission drift. I don't know how many of you worked out this week at the Y You may prefer the Peloton, you may prefer Orange Theory Fitness, whatever. Hopefully you do something for cardio and your whole person, your physical health and well-being. But George Williams first started what you may not have known was the Young Man's Christian Association. It's the YMCA. And did you know it was started originally? Their mission was to be a Bible study gathering for displaced men in London, England. Did you know that this core group centered on learning about Christ, and they eventually, over time, trained and commissioned over 20,000 missionaries to the mission field. That's pretty significant, right? However, as the organization grew and expanded to other countries, the focus became more so about health and fitness with no reference to Christ. And in 2010, the organization officially dropped three of its four letters they dropped off Man's Christian Association, and now it's just known as the Y. Remember, I'm not preaching against, I'm just illustrating the obvious that they've removed any remaining ties to their original intent to train disciples and send out missionaries. That's mission drift. And of course, one of my all-time favorites. I mean, I could just go on for hours up here, but I I don't know how many of you have ever heard, and you may have to get on Wikipedia and search for such things, but there was this thing called Blockbuster decades ago. (laughs) Blockbuster is a company that is now obsolete. They don't even exist. And this was their mission statement. To become the global leader in rentable home entertainment by providing outstanding service, selection, convenience, and value. Well, bye. (laughs) Gone, obsolete, global leader don't exist. How how do you get to that point? I think mission drifts one of those reasons. When you drift away from why you exist, you slowly but surely start to lose sight of what you feel you offer to somebody. I I just want to be very clear in this sermon series that we're in, in the gospel of John, specifically John chapter three, about what the mission of this church is so that we never drift away from it. We exist to make Jesus known so that people will meet him and have their eternities changed forever. We engage the whole person, body, mind, soul, and spirit with the whole gospel of Jesus. That when you die, you can go be with him, but you can have as much of Jesus' goodness right now as you can stand the whole gospel to the whole person anywhere, anytime, with anybody. And the reason that you do this on Sundays just like this as you start a new year is because I think a lot of these organizations and institutions got to this moment when things were good, they were healthy, they were growing, and they slowly started to drift away. This sermon series is not born out of some place of problem or rebuke from the Lord. It's like, God, you've been exceedingly good to us, and we want to remain faithful to why you even brought us into existence, and it's to make Jesus known. But I don't want you to take my word for it or think this is pastor speak. I want you to see where this is true in Scripture. Would you stand with me in honor of God's Word? And we're going to read from John chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 8 together. There was a man from the Pharisees, and his name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform these signs that you do unless God were with him or authoring it. And Jesus replied to Nicodemus, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. How can anybody be born when he's old, Nicodemus asked. Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and of spirit, he cannot experience or enter the kingdom of God. Because whatever is born of the flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I've told you that you must be born again. Nicodemus, the wind blows where it pleases, and you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone who is born again of the Spirit. Jesus, there's something about you, that is so much more exciting and life-giving than anything I've ever known? What's the secret? And Jesus said, you must be born again. It's like the wind. Don't got to be able to explain it. Just believe it. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I will say the word of the Lord if you will say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, I just want to repeat what I mentioned just a moment ago. I I just happen to be the one representing the congregation in this moment to say, you have done exceedingly more than we could have anticipated or known to ask for nearly nine years ago when you brought this church, this congregation into existence. We cannot thank you enough that you've given us a front row seat to watch people's lives be changed and to position us, even in the year ahead, what lies ahead, a new campus, a new building, growth opportunities, all of these things. We can't believe you've led us to this point, but we do not want to become complacent in our mission. So we dedicate this day to you to say, Lord, we are committed to knowing you and making you known. And my prayer as pastors that that would be the heartbeat of every woman, man, teenager, or child that's part of our church. Let us love you. Let us know you more and let us make you known so that people can be born again and that they can see with spiritual eyes the kingdom of God as they have never known life before. And we pray this in Jesus' name, the one who is able to make it happen. And all of God's people said, amen. 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 Go ahead and have a seat for just a moment. Well, for those of you who know your Bible, you know that this story comes from the context, the greater story of what we talked about last week. Last week, our sermon text was John three sixteen. Now, most of us are familiar with that, even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you don't consider yourself a spiritual person. Let me just repeat this for us. For God so loved the world in this way, Jesus said this, that he gave his one and only son, that everyone who believes in him will not perish but shall have eternal life. We didn't dig too much into the greater context or what was going on. Who was Jesus talking to? What what spurred him to say these words? And that's what we want to do for just the next few minutes. Um, The greater context of Jesus sharing that was a conversation he's having with this man named Nicodemus. Look here with me, like keep feeding yourself scripture. Look at verses one and two. There was a man from the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders in the community. They're the religious elite, so to speak his name was Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. Now now this literally means he was part of ruler of the Jews. He was on the 70 person ruling council, also called the Sanhedrin. If you need credentials, if you need to like prove to anyone, like I, I know as much as anyone could possibly know about God. And I love his scriptures. Like Nicodemus was one of those guys he went to synagogue, he went to church, so to speak, regularly, like he's checking all the boxes religiously. He was a religious leader. But it says there in verse 2, this man came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we, it's Nicodemus himself, but he says, we know you're from God, because there's no one who could perform these signs unless God were authoring it in you. Like you're doing things we've never seen before. Now listen, many people loved Jesus' teaching. It was new. It was fascinating. He spoke simple truths in compelling ways, but he also performed miracles. And a lot of people really didn't like want to follow Jesus, but they were like, do it again. I mean, you turn this little guy sack lunch into like 5,000 people got fed, like do that again. And there were people that were truly curious about Jesus, not serious about following him and maybe Nicodemus is like I just I just want to be around you but but there's more here if you know scripture you know the story like there was most likely curiosity but it was intermingled with with most likely like really healthy conviction like I I I need to speak to you and what I just read a moment ago I mean we we can see there's something he's coming to Jesus for like talk to me teach me tell me I'm missing out on something tell me uh, he was most likely under conviction. Um, have, have you ever been under conviction? God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the presence of the risen Jesus, when Jesus died for us, he was raised by God for us. If we have a dead Savior who's forgiven us of our sin, that's awesome. We need that Savior to be alive to then offer the power to transform us through his good news and eternal life. And, and his Holy Spirit is the one who does that work. The Holy Spirit will sometimes bring you under conviction. Um, our children, we have seen evidences of them coming under conviction for things that are not godly in their life. I just use my daughter as an example. When, when she was younger, oftentimes we we would say to her, you, you can't hit him. I know that's the way some of us like to express our love to our siblings, that you cannot hit him, like you can't do that thing. There was a marked moment or months, where you know, like a high watermark in her life, where she kind of started telling on herself and confessing, I've done something, whatever it was. And it's kind of like, who told you, right? When Jesus asked the disciples, like, who do you say I am? And Peter's like, you're the son of God. And he's like, that didn't come from you. Like that came from the spirit. Like who told you, you are separated from God by your behavior and your thoughts and your attitude. Most likely there's somebody in this room who's under conviction for something by the Holy Spirit, which is intended to bring about your good, your refinement, your flourishing. It may even be like Nicodemus, like I check all the boxes, I'm religious, I'm, I'm here at 1045 on a Sunday morning when I could be out on the golf course or doing whatever, like I'm here. Like Maybe you're like, but, but I need to lean into the things of God. I'm missing something. He was under conviction, so he comes to Jesus. And a lot of times people are like, I've heard sermons where people are like, you know, Nicodemus was embarrassed. He was was kind of a weak guy. He like went to Jesus at night because he's looking for something that all the other religious leaders, you know, they they made fun of Jesus. He's the son of a Jewish carpenter, and that doesn't look like a king. Like surely this isn't the one that we've been waiting on, God in the flesh. And so I've heard people talk about Nicodemus being weak or scared. Like, listen, did you notice what he said? We... There's a lot of us who see something about you. But I had to get an audience with you. Now, Did he arrange it like pull aside the disciples, pull aside somebody else, like get me a meeting with that rabbi? Or did he just show up at wherever Jesus was staying that night? There's a lot of people perhaps in this room or in this world who Ecclesiastes says that God has put eternity in your hearts. You may want to know more about Jesus. And other people aren't asking. It's not popular, and so you don't. But I want to tell you something. It takes courage. It takes faith to say, I don't care what anybody else thinks. But I I just got to know, what is it? What's the secret sauce? What What is it all about? And so he comes to him at night, and I love what Jesus does. Jesus didn't say, cool, I'll see you at dawn out by the watering well where hundreds of people will be drawing water. If you really want to know, then you'll be, you'll be there. Now, Jesus engages sincere seekers. For much of my life, this is theology I built up in my head because I thought being a God follower was like, do good things, don't do bad things. So I spent a lot of my life avoiding, I spent more of my life focusing on what not to do than enjoying doing the things that bring life. And I often thought, like, if I come to Jesus, and I do what, like, I'm talking about right here for you. If I come to Jesus, like, he's angry, he's grumpy, he's like, what took you so long? This is a model of how Jesus will engage you today, this morning, if you're like, I, I, I'm, I'm like Nicodemus, I'm missing something. He won't hammer you, he's not looking to judge you. He says that's not even his responsibility but he sincerely engages Nicodemus with with compassion. But I love that Jesus is always honest. I wouldn't say blunt, but he's like, here's the deal. And I want you to read what it says to him. Look at verse 3 and 4. Read with me. Feed yourself off the word. Jesus replied, truly I tell you, unless somebody is born again. Now that's an important phrase, born again. Unless someone is born again, he or she, you cannot see. That would also mean you cannot experience the kingdom of God. And what that really means is, like, God created you to know human flourishing, and if he's the author and the creator and he brought you to be, then doesn't it make sense? You cannot experience life right right now in 2023 as he intended for you to have it apart from God. And that makes sense, right? I I bought a coffee maker recently. Last thing I want to do, it's got bells and whistles and timers, and I just need an on-off button. I'm such a dude, you know? Like, I don't want to read a manual, but it's like, before you plug it in, read this. Whatever, man. I I did, guys. I did. Okay. Every now and again, we need to humble ourselves. Okay. We, we, we need to do that, okay? And, and one, one of the realities when you think about humbling yourself, when you think about submitting yourself, wh- what he's asking him here is, un- unless you're born again, you can't see and experience the kingdom of God. I mean, you see this every day in life. Next time you see your coffee maker, your Keurig, think about this. You really can't enjoy it to the fullest apart from the one who made it and can tell you how it best functions. You could illustrate anything right now to prove that point. And God is saying, like, un- unless you're born again, you can't experience all the fullness, which is called eternal life. Not only in the life to come, but right now, apart from God. Now we don't think like that crystal clear all the time. Sometimes it's in a sermon where it crystallizes for us, and a pastor's talking to us, and you're like, "Yeah, I've been there. I've been right where you are." Like, and by the way, I listen to podcasts and sit under preaching myself, and so I'm like, "Yeah, that that makes sense." And he's like, Nic- "Nicodemus, what you're missing? You're religious." You have a good job. People respect you in the community. Anybody like that in here? But you know you're missing something. What is it I'm missing? And what you're missing is you've never been born again. And Nicodemus, I love this, is like, what in the world are you talking about? Now, that, that's probably the Southeast Southern Baptist translation right there, okay? It's not true Aramaic. But he literally says, I, I don't think I understand are you literally saying like you you have to physically be born again? And one of the reasons Amy and I are in a life group, and you need to be in a life group, and our staff are in life group, like sometimes in community you 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 wrestle with and post questions. When like what like what does Jesus actually mean when he says this? And if that's true, like what do we do next? You need community. We're going to talk about that a little bit more next week when we look at this relationship. But he says you need to be born again. And no, no, you can't be born physically again. And so this is what Jesus says to him. Look in response to this. Look at verse 5. Truly, I tell you, unless someone is born of water, that's, that's just a, a general way of saying like, yeah, everybody's born. You're born, you're born once physically. Um, you got you to do that. That's why you're here. But unless you're born of water and of the Spirit, and what this means there in verse 5 is from above. Born again of the Spirit from above outside of you. You cannot, no matter how much you want to, Nicodemus, you can't make this happen for yourself. That's very important. Because one of the things, when I brag on you to other people, and I love our congregation, I tell people how intelligent you are and how creative you are, and how proactive you are and how accomplished you are. I've got a lot of people in the room accomplished in any number of ways, metrics, stories, whatever. As awesome as that is, Jesus is saying to you, If you have not been born again of the Spirit, like you can't do it on your own. Can't be religious enough, can't be moral enough, can't do enough social good in the community. As important as those things are. Hebrews 10.24 says, Do not neglect the coming together on Sunday mornings. There's something spiritually important that happens in this room when you get together on Sunday mornings we shouldn't neglect. I'm not saying all those things aren't important. Like there's rhythms, there's things we do, but he's saying being born again, what you're missing out on is from above and it comes from the Holy Spirit. Now I know for some of us we're like, that, that's, um, I, I don't know how to wrap my mind around that. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father sent the Son. The Son died for you and then after 40 days on the earth, Once Jesus then ascended into heaven, the Father sent the Spirit. Guess what? If you're a Jesus follower, he's going to send you somewhere in this world. Maybe across the street, maybe around the globe. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the presence of the risen Jesus. He is referred to as he. It's a him. Jesus sends his Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit does, the presence of the risen Jesus today. If there's somebody in this room or watching the stream who's like, I feel like Nicodemus. And um, I want to know what Jesus offers. If you said, I want to follow Jesus. I choose to follow Jesus. I don't know what I need to do. What are the next steps? Jesus said, yeah, you, you don't have to understand how the Spirit works. Don't get bogged down with it sounds too complicated or I can't, I, I, I can't figure it all out. Because if you could figure it all out, then you'd be God and he would not. You do not want a God that you can explain and figure out. That makes You, the captain of your ship, the author of your world. And i tell you, I I can do that okay for some seasons, but it ain't a good lifetime. And So one of the realities is here, when you choose to follow Jesus, and what we talk about is if we're broken and we're sinful and separated from God from birth, we we confess our need for God and his holiness in our life. And so we confess our sin, Now, that could be when you were mean and you cursed on the way into church this morning. I'm not, I don't have a word from the Lord, okay? That just hits you and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, then you do with that what you want. But it could be as I'm preaching, you're like, I'm separated from my holy and righteous God, and I know it. I know that I know that I know it. You say, I want to repent of my sin, and I want to draw close to God. And the only way to do that, to be in his presence, is to have the Spirit make me presentable to the Father. Paul told the church in Corinth, 1550, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. You can't do it on your own. But by the Spirit, if you ask Jesus to forgive you and to give you eternal life, what the Holy Spirit does in 2023 is He takes what Jesus did on the cross and He applies His righteousness to your life and your account. And you are covered with the righteousness of Christ and your account, your standing before God is just as if you'd never sinned. We would call that theologically justification. Easy way to remember it. And when that happens your heart of stone and flesh is turned into a heart of spirit, eternal heart, eternal life. And he's like, Nicodemus, you don't have to be able to explain that. I told you some people are like, I, I can't put my finger on that. Like, y'all, I can't explain Google Translate. But, but you can hold your phone up to a foreign language and tell you what, what you're reading. I, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, I, I, I can turn the spigot on the faucet I got an idea of like where it comes from and how big the pipes are and I need to cover them up like last night because they could freeze it. Like I have a functioning understanding a little bit, but I don't get water treatment and all that. But every day when I turn on that faucet, I put my faith in it. I believe it's going to be there when I turn it on. When we walked in this room this morning, somebody flipped a switch. I can't. Sorry, Mr. Edison. I, I don't care to explain or understand that but you this evening will turn or flip on a switch. I'm giving you things that when you see the switch, when you turn on the faucet to wash your, wash your hands or bathe your kids tonight, like I, I need it in your mind. Like You and I put our faith in a whole lot of things every day we can't explain. Why wouldn't you do that with Jesus and the work of the Spirit? That's what faith is. And Hebrews says it's impossible to please the God of the universe without faith. So he's like, Nicodemus, you're just going to have to trust me on this. And you don't have to be able to explain it. But you put your faith in me. And that's the way it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And when that happens, you not only like, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good people. Jesus came to raise dead people, and that's all of us before we met Christ, to new resurrected life. That's what Jesus does. He's in the business of resurrection. Your marriage, it's on the rocks. As long as there's a God in his name is Jesus, there's hope for you, my friends. Your relationship with your parents, your relationship if you're a parent with your children, as long as if there's something you want to see, maybe it's good, but you long to be closer to them. Or whatever. like, as long as there is a God, in His name is Jesus. There is hope for that. I'm not acting like I understand all the nuances, and that there's not boundaries or things that I can't appreciate. I'm not saying like, as long as there's a God, in His name is Jesus. Like wonder-working resurrection power. That's what Nicodemus was missing out on, and he knew it. He didn't know how to explain it. And Jesus said, you don't have to be able to, but he wanted that. Do you you know what Jesus is doing? Jesus is stopping just short of a public invitation. Nicodemus, would you like to walk this aisle and give your life to Jesus Christ? I'm not sure that's how they did it in the first century, okay? But you've probably seen that at churches. You want that? You know it. And I, I, I am so convinced of the work and the wonder work and power of the Holy Spirit that, like, that's why I don't manipulate. And I ask Hunter and Truett and Bill and anybody else who would preach up here and any guest pastor I have up here while I'm out. Like, it'll never be anybody who manipulates or coerces because Jesus didn't. We wouldn't. But I also believe more than just human rhythms. I believe that the Holy Spirit's already been working for the last six days in somebody's life that you knew it before you got here. And I could just open this up and preach from Song of Solomon and there'd be somebody and he be like, oh my gosh, God is awesome. I'm, I want to give my life to Christ. I'm a sinner in need of his grace. It wouldn't matter. But he offers that to Nicodemus. And let me tell you something. What I just described, that, that life that Nicodemus didn't have, whether that's you and today's the day for you to respond to the invitation give your life to Christ, you know somebody who needs that. You know somebody who needs that. You work with somebody who would do anything to have their father's approval. Maybe you don't know that, but that may be their story. You know somebody who has earned and accomplished, and they got the degrees, and they got the income. Maybe that's you, but most likely you have someone in your sphere of influence that, like, they've got all that, and they're like, what am I missing? You know somebody like that? Somebody in Nashville woke up this morning, maybe somebody in their bed, and they thought, that's it, just go out to the club, meet somebody, whatever, and and this morning, somebody in Nashville was like, that's, that's not it. Uh, you could tease out all these examples, right? Like somebody in Nashville needs to hear about this good news that Jesus revealed to Nicodemus. That's why we call it gospel. Gospel is translated good news. I mentioned this last week, and I'm going to mention it every Sunday during January, but this is a gospel conversation card that we handed out last week and asked you to pray for five people that you'd love to see experience what Jesus is offering here. I will be mentioning this once a month for the next 11 months of 2023 because this is the most loving, wonderful thing we could do is to say, you know what he's offering here? Do you want that? I understand. like It, it might take a little bit more talking and honoring somebody and getting to know them before you get to that point. I, I get all that. But somebody you know needs to hear that good news. That's why um, this is pretty much fundamentals and basics of our faith, but I'm convinced what I told you 30 minutes ago... Many churches get to this point and they start doing more and they start chasing shiny things and they forget why they exist. And we're surrounded in our culture of churches and institutions that cease to exist or do not do what they said the Lord put in their heart to cause them to do. That cannot happen here. Let me tell you why. It has nothing to do with us, it's the reputation of Christ in and through us. We cannot allow that to happen. You can't. We represent Him, we're His ambassadors that's what's at stake. Do it for Jesus. Keep focused on it for Jesus. Small group leaders, keep making much of Jesus among the people that God's put in your group. Mentors, keep bragging on and pleading with people to give their lives to Jesus. All of the roles and responsibilities, it's, it's about Jesus, knowing him and making him known. That's our mission. So, so here's, I, I am going to do this, what Jesus did for Nicodemus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you showed up here or while I've been preaching, you're like, I need to give my life to Christ. I'm going to challenge you over the next few minutes just to tell Jesus I'm a sinner and and I need forgiveness of sin and I want to flourish. I want eternal life. Like, I can't find it inside of me. It's got to come from you. Save me, Jesus. Over the next few minutes, I want to encourage you to give your life to Jesus Christ. Nicodemus came at night. Don't you be ashamed of giving your life to Jesus. I'm always down front when Nick asks us to stand and say, Nick, y'all come back up here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up to the platform. They're going to sing us in a song of response. Come forward to say, Aaron, pray for me. Go to the kneeling benches. Our deacons will come out of their seats to pray over you if that's what you need to do. If if not that, pray for somebody that you want them to experience the love of Jesus. So let me encourage you to pray for somebody, okay? Oh, my goodness, plead. Be like, Jesus, I want to tell you about my friend. I love him. I love her. They're awesome, but they don't know you I don't want them to know you. So maybe that's what you want to do over the next couple seconds. Let me invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. That is not biblical. That's just helpful. So if that eliminates distraction in the room and the musicians plugging in and me stepping down the platform, do what helps you hear God's voice and speak to him. But do what you're supposed to do in the next few minutes. And then Nick will stand and ask us to sing in response.